Cheers. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to the Brew Gooder podcast, where we're looking at a history of LGBTQ bars and their impact on queer rights and the queer revolution. My name is Drew McCaskill. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the LGBT plus inclusion advisor for Brew Gooder. Woo! <laughs> <Raise> <laughs> <the> applause. <laughs> I can't believe I've got an applause for saying my name. Thank you and good night. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, my name is Lady Rampant and my pronouns are she, her, and I am a political drag activist based in Glasgow. I am so excited to have you here, like a fellow Glasgow sister uh, and a fellow... <laughs> like a, I have never been on a night out with you, Lady Rampant, which, like, break... Not yet. Heart. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Where, what, not yet. Where, do you, where is your haunt? Where do you go? Oh, I'm everywhere. Well, right now I'm nowhere because of <laughs> Miss Rona, COVID-19. I'm in my bedroom. But normally I'm across Scotland. I'm performing in the queer bars in Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dundee, and uh, the occasional trip to Amsterdam as well, oh. <laughs> when COVID permits. Oh, casually into Amsterdam, why not? Where, what, yes. <laughs> what was your first queer bar, gay bar experience? Well, I, but I actually uh, skipped into polo and I actually went with two of my friends. I think we went to, I think we went to see a concert actually um, in the Hydro. I can't remember who was playing. And after we were like, right, let's go grab a drink somewhere. And I was with two straight women and I managed to convince them to come to polo with me. And I've never looked back since. So <laughs> it's been a long time, but yeah. You never know it's that long ago. Your forehead looks great. I want to know who your Botox expert is. Um, <laughs> you didn't go at that age um, to polo as a drag artist or uh, as Lady no. Rampant. When, okay, so when was your first drag performance or drag persona experience going going anywhere? Of course, yeah. So I was out as a gay man and going around LGBTQ plus bars for a long time before I started drag. And it was during, uh, that explains Amsterdam, was when I was doing my master's in Amsterdam. I decided I would start drag there. So when I moved, I settled down for a few months, started drag, and uh, things really took off for me in Amsterdam, which was really good. My first performance was in a bar called Amstel 54, which is one of the oldest bars in Amsterdam. And it's a fantastic bar because it supported drag for years and years and years. And it continues to put on shows every week, um, every Friday sometimes, and every single Sunday for the queer community in Amsterdam. So I was really happy that was my first time. I wouldn't say it was the best performance, but we've got to start somewhere. <laughs> and in my case, the only way is up. So <laughs> I started there. I think I actually performed to Katy Perry Roar, which is a bit of a cringe, actually. But um, like I said, got to start somewhere. It was, it went okay. And uh, then things thankfully got a bit better in Amsterdam and I performed across there before coming back to to Scotland. That's amazing. What's the difference between the Amsterdam drag scene and the Scottish drag scene? One word. Money. <laughs> money, <laughs> money, money. Amsterdam yeah. pays so much better than um, than Scotland. But I think there is a, a difference as well because if you're having um, couture made, if you're having clothes made or wigs styled in Amsterdam, the price of that is a lot higher as well. So um, it sort of evens it out sometimes. But yeah, I would say money in Scotland, we, we're not as well paid, uh, unfortunately. I think it's just because there's a lot of drag artists in Scotland and um, there's not that many stages, to be honest. There's not that many drag shows, although it might seem like it, there's not. 
for everyone to get their turn. Mm. So, yeah, the pay in Scotland is a little bit less, or a big bit less, than Amsterdam. <laughs> okay, well, for, for those who haven't seen a drag act, um, which actually there will, there will be people listening to this who haven't seen a drag performance, what would you say your drag performance is like? What do you do? Well, outside drag, I, I studied law. I have two law degrees. So I like to combine that with my drag and bring a little political aspect mm-hmm. to that. So I, I combine my knowledge of law and politics and current affairs, Brexit, feminism, oh, yes. everything, <laughs> everything under the sun. And I combine it with drag and perform that. And you might be thinking that sounds really dull, but honestly, it's not. I will take like a pop song. I will take a well-known song and I will turn it on its head. I will mix different sound bites and different stuff from the news and, and just mix it into like a funny mix and mash different songs together. So if you think I sound crazy, then come and see me in person. <laughs> if you see Lady Rampant on the poster for a show, come and see what I mean <laughs> and okay. I'll prove it to you. And if you don't think it sounds crazy and you think it sounds fantastic, come and see <laughs> all the, even more so. Oh, no, yes. That, that sounds great. I love the idea of drag really just, um, you know, upping the level, upping the ante um, when it comes <laughs> to really showing these huge divides or these huge ridiculous um, uh, points of our society or aspects of our society, uh, wh- whether it be how men are perceived as men or women as women or non-binary as non-binary or just all these things. I just think it sounds yeah. great. I love how it looks at reality and gives it a firm reflection of itself with, you know, some, yeah. sometimes all the cracks, all the spots, all the wrinkles in, in show and highlights. Yes. Absolutely. Turn it on its head. <laughs> well, we're here today because, as you know, we're looking at um, we're looking at bars that have had a huge impact and made a positive impact on the progression of LGBT plus rights and equality across the world. And we're going to talk about actually the first in the series, the first bar in the UK. We've talked before about Stonewall Inn and the Twin Peaks Tavern, but this one is a really important and special bar for anybody who lives in the UK, and it's the Royal Vauxhall Tavern in London. Um, Lady Rampant, have you ever been to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern? I unfortunately have not. Can you believe it? Um, I really, really haven't. I have friends who have been and who absolutely love it. I know loads about the bar, thank- uh, thankfully. That's why I'm here today. But um, I unfortunately have never been able to make a trip myself. But I've had a few friends who have moved to London just over the past few months. So next time I'm down, it's the first on our list to go. Absolutely. That sounds, that sounds like a good place for you and I to have our first night out. Um, actually yes we need to make plans for it and make it oh, the romance of it just like oh we were talking about this and now we're here like it's perfect <laughs> yes. oh. I, the first time i well the first and only time i've been to royal Vauxhall tavern rvt for those in the know um i went down to london to see a boy i was mad madly in love with and we can- <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there don't worry <laughs> Totally fine now. Um, but I bought him and I tickets to go see Wicked. Could we get any gear? And afterwards, we went to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. And I remember it really clearly because at that point, I think the British National Party, the BNP, were in, involved in some election. God, it shows you how long ago this date was. Mm. And um, there was a 
a political panel in the RVT and Peter Tatchell was in it and Beth Ditto was also a member of the panel. I think a Lib Dem MP, you can tell who I really was focusing on um, <laughs> in this thing. But I remember feeling this like very cool bar. I was very like in touch with what was mm -hmm. going on. Um, which I think is very much what it always has been. What tell me what, what you know about it, please? Well, like you said, of course, it's it's um it's so important because it's one of the in fact I think it's London's oldest surviving queer venue. It is a it's a fantastic bar that's been around since I believe 1860, 1865. That's right. Um so it's absolutely been around for some time now. And Actually, I think I think it was later on, potentially after World War II, um, that the bar started putting on some some drag shows, believe it or not. And like I, I just said, the money is in Scotland isn't great right now. So I want to know what these queens were being paid after World War II. Like, what was the booking fee? Were you getting a shilling, hon? Like, <laughs> you were getting your rations, hen. You were like, going, like yes. all, all these like all these like you know lace wigs they had to make. All these rations for lace. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it's been it's been putting on fantastic shows for a long time now, mm -hmm. and I know that um, like in the after World War Two period, they would clear all the the glasses off of the the bar at the end of the night, and the the drag queens and drag artists would um, walk up and down and mm -hmm. and just have a camp old time really. But I think obviously, so it has been around for a long time, but it's it's um, it's very much still thriving today, or at least. Um, pre-COVID times with drag and cabaret and all sorts of fantastic performances and, and acts that are on every single night of the week in London. Which is like uh, one of the things that I that I love about drag is I think it's important to LGBT plus history and LGBT plus culture um, and what I've said to you before in other contexts for me as somebody who doesn't perform but is very much a gay and Oh wait, the, you're gay? Too? Oh, you're sorry. gay? Sorry, I know. <laughs> I would never have known. <laughs> I mean, from all the Instagram posts, a hashtag instagays over here. No, <laughs> I've, I've dabbled. I've dabbled. Um, <laughs> but I, what I love about it is that you know, if you if you're ever told in the school or by your family, you know, oh, don't be so camp, and you know, you you might yeah. want to lower your voice or whatever. Uh, drag is this wonderful embrace, you know, embracing of these wonderful feminine qualities and these uh, feminine characteristics that we all have no matter what gender we identify with and it's mm -hmm. about saying whatever you're afraid of I'm going to embody and you just have to deal with it and if you think back in the 1940s right. 1960s like you mentioned it was still illegal to be gay and to have gay sex of then. course so the bravery yeah. of these of these queens and these drag artists mm -hmm. and performers doing that is not to be underestimated they were putting themselves mm -hmm fully out there um, at a time yeah. where people were still still um, clueless about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Of course, it, it was illegal and you could be arrested, sent to jail or have, um, have I, I believe, like chemical castration and all of these horrible things if you if you did not serve a jail sentence. But even after that, even after um, homosexuality in the UK was decriminalised, we had, um, as I'm sure you will know, a piece of legislation, which was Section 28 of the Local Government Act. And that basically what that did, it was brought in, in the 80s, 1988, by Margaret Thatcher's government at the time. 
and that prohibited the promotion of any sort of homosexuality by local authorities, be it schools or or other local authorities in, in your local area. And that had such a, as you will know, damaging effect on the LGBTQ plus community. But the the RVT was obviously still thriving during that time, even though homosexuality was decriminalised. Section 28 in the 80s was very much very much there. And um, I know that the bar RVT was raided several times by police um, who would come in and raid it in rubber gloves. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably... Yeah, yeah. They they would come in and, and raid it, and um, I'm sure you know that the drag queen Lily Savage, Paulo Grady, um, Lily Savage actually had her her start in RVT. She used to perform there four times a week, um, and there was one night that they raided with rubber gloves on, and um, Lily Savage was on stage performing in the middle of a performance, and the police came in and raided it, and that was after the '80s. So we're talking like late '80s, but probably early '90s that this was happening. Now that that level of um, of interference, even after several years after homosexuality was decriminalised, just goes to show how much discrimination there still was in the UK. And it's why bars like the RBT, who have, who have served their history, seen all of this, are so important um, because they've they've really lived through it all. They really have. It's funny. It's not funny. It's interesting to know that raids at this were usually very discriminatory. Uh, I think mm-hmm. those types of raids, they would call for the, the, there was a drug raid and by police, and which is usually targeted marginalised communities more so than the mainstream and those in power. Mm-hmm. And this whole rubber gloves thing was to protect people from, to protect officers from catching AIDS, from touching yeah. people, which you think if we know, and we did that in the late 80s and early 90s, and how HIV is transmitted, rubber mm-hmm. gloves were really more of a humiliating factor rather than actually anything protective. One story I did hear um, about one of those raids is that one of the longest running drag queens in it, um, Maisie Trollett, uh, aka David Raven, was on stage mm-hmm. uh, similar to when Lily Savage was. And he, <laughs> uh, she was so good at performing that when the police came in she posed as the landlord's mother and said oh no no i'm just i'm just gonna go back upstairs and the police allowed her to go upstairs which wow. i think like good on your head way to play the game yes <laughs> go on yourself hen. but even thinking about that now of course i'm a performer i perform on stage the thought of having to to deal with that is mm. is quite overwhelming to be honest because performing is uh, you're in you're in overdrive anyway but actually having to factor in oh we might experience a raid tonight or you just never know what's going to happen um it's, it's terrifying it's it's really awful so i take as a as a fellow drag artist myself i take my wig off to all of these drag artists who were performing in this time at bars like the rvt who were really putting in a, a shift we think we've got it hard today but boy i think they had it a lot harder back then Talking about wigs, can you tell, <laughs> can you tell the story of Freddie Mercury's guest to the RVT? Yes, of course. So there was um, a royal member of the royal household who actually visited the RVT in disguise, and that was actually Princess Diana. Believe it or not, um, they you attended. Imagine, the- I know Princess Di and the RVT. Oh. <laughs> so I believe a wig on a wig on like a mustache like like just like booching yes. it up. Yes, yeah, so I believe that they they dressed her in sort of like masculine drag with a, a male 
looking like wig and, and like moustache and stuff and went and apparently Freddie Mercury and everyone was getting so much attention that nobody noticed or nobody picked up on Princess Di in costume and drag at all so that goes to show you how cool the RVT is <laughs> Princess Di wants to go <laughs> I mean we said a lot about it I mean for a, again for a community the LGBT plus and that is the whole LGBT plus community to feel welcomed enough to come there and be who you are without having to check yourself at the door, but actually yeah. somebody who, you know, Princess Diana, who is still loved today, um, I think mm -hmm. by most of the British public, to think actually I'm going to go there where I will also probably be welcomed, even if I'm not quite myself. I think there's yeah. the idea that it's such a friendly place. Um, and, you know, the, the look of the bar is a kidney-shaped bar, it's a lot of wood in it, and mm -hmm. it has some of the old, old pillars from local... I think outside of it, before the building itself was built, there were these pleasure gardens, and in the pleasure gardens, yes. there were these like huge pillars which have been incorporated into the building itself. There's just so much warmth and history, a tangible history throughout mm -hmm. this bar, which I, which I think mean, means so much to the LGBT plus community because our histories mm -hmm. are really oral that they're not written down yeah. because of the fears that you were talking about. People being afraid, raids. We want, we don't want to have evidence, which is mm -hmm. tragic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But one thing that I think is really fantastic about the RVT, talking about things that aren't uh, haven't been written down, one thing has been written down for the RVT, and that is that it is the first listed building in the UK specifically for the LGBTQ plus community. It's been recognised for its importance to the community and for its history, and it is now a grade two listed building in the UK, the first one for the LGBTQ plus community. I think that's fantastic that we have some protection of this this historical hub. I mean, yeah, that means so much because it shows, shows, number one, that modern times, contemporary times are recognising the impact and the positive contribution that LGBT plus people have had and LGBT plus communities um, still have mm -hmm. on our history and on the way our society progresses. And the idea that actually we're looking back at these invisible whispered histories, you know, was it mm -hmm. Oscar Wilde said, like the unspoken love, a love that has no name. At one point that we had, we were like a history that had no name. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting, we're getting those blue plaques in our buildings. We're getting the recognition that we always kind of knew we deserved. And now yes. we share it with people, like whether it be on mm -hmm. podcasts or actually in mm -hmm. the pub itself. Can you imagine going to that pub now and just the idea of feeling that history, the love, the heartbreaks, the dances, the, 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 mm -hmm. the joy that must have been in that pub for decades. Must have been home for people. I know. Yeah, I know. Of course, I know that there are some people who very much consider it a home um, and who will probably be missing it very much during these times. But after these times, I, I really am dying to go and visit it just for just what you said, to soak up the history of it, to really get involved in it. I'm dying for a drink, a dance. It really seems like if you're in London and queer, a place that you really want to go. And I know that they've got lots of events on most nights of the week, actually, and they cater to a very large audience. So when you said it's a bar that is very much inclusive to the LGBTQ plus community, RVT is specifically made a point of being inclusive to every strand of the LGBTQ plus community. And they have, they have different nights for different strands of our community. So they have drag nights, they have the Sunday social and um, with drag artists, they have uh, a night for the bear community called Beef Mints by different DJs. And they really cater to a, a wide 
a wide sector of our community. You mentioned before we went online that there was this thing called the mandate. I don't know what the mandate is. Is that oh the manifesto yes oh well actually yes there are there's more than one thing written down there is the rvt manifesto now this manifesto it is online and so you can go and check it out for yourself just rvt manifesto um but it really is it's really something special i think um in the manifesto it lists specifically that of course there's safe space for all members of the lgbtq plus community but that they have a proud history where all drag is valid regardless of gender and that they're home for drag and uh, and cabaret but what also struck me is that there's a line in it that says racism homophobia sexism transphobia anti-semitism islamophobia body shaming or any other kind of hate speech and intolerance has no space in the rvt like that is fantastic to see that put out by the bar that's the kind of message that they're sending to the lgbtq plus community i think is is fantastic oh you know i've literally literally got goosebumps because that is such a plus like that's cool that is like a cool place to go. yes somewhere that is there. and actually yeah, I think at RVT, obviously, when they released this manifesto, I think a lot of bars followed on from this um, and started taking notice of this. And I think it was really the RVT's manifesto that kick-started a lot of bars to to really go down this route. And I just wish every LGBTQ plus queer space would would adopt this because it's um, it's important now more than ever. Like, I think what we're seeing in the LGBTQ plus community now is people are realising that we're not at the same sort of level of equality that we could be, for instance, in relation to um, the transgender community or if it's in the drag community, drag kings. And we're not all at the same level of equality. And I think now we're looking at the queer communities through an intersectional lens and we're seeing that it's not just cis white gay males that make up the the LGBTQ plus community. No, it's everyone. We're vibrant, we're colourful. Um, and we're all sort of unique in our own ways. And I think RVT really caters to that aspect of the LGBTQ plus community really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so popular with people because it really does it really does cater to everyone. Oh, I mean, it sounds like a bar for all and a, and a hub for all. And I just, I love mm-hmm. that so much. So you describe that and tell me about that. I just think, gosh, I really want to, to go back to one of these like safe spaces, to one of our homes, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. like- <laughs> well, RVT is going to be a bar for us, Drew. You're saying it's a bar for everyone. It's a bar for us. We definitely need to make a point of going for sure. First round on me, honey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's fine by me. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Lady Rampant, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's such a pleasure to talk to a drag artist about the Palladium of Drag, the Royal Box Hall Tavern, and you've given me so much information that I didn't even know about. So thank you so much. You've been an absolute pleasure and enjoy and no problem at all drew thank you very much for having me and i should say of course rvt right now is closed because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic but if anyone listening wants to go and check it out you can check out their website they currently have a gofundme Mm -hmm. um to to sort of raise funds for uh for the the aftermath of covid so hopefully it'll be opening back up this year but i know i checked their website they do have a gofundme and um, so go and check it out if you're interested but yeah thank you very much too for having me it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you again and an absolute joy to celebrate one of our best and um, historical queer bars that we have in the uk and thank you so much and again if yes please do check out the Royal Vauxhall tavern and their 
crowdfunding just now. And um, if you're not going to get your disco shorts on just yet, I mean, I do have mine on, but that's just between me and balls <laughs> and made rampant. And um, make sure you head ahead and make sure that bar is still open for when you want do want to go dancing. If you want to check out and learn about some other LGBT plus bars, please check out our the rest of our podcast and the podcast episodes that have been coming out for the next couple of weeks. There's also an amazing book that's also come out, which I have used from the research of this of this podcast. It's called Gay Bars, Why We Went Out. I think it's an American author, but it's by Jeremy Atherton Lynn. And it's all about okay. what it was, or the reasons why we were coming out to these bars. And really, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, because it's important we know why we were out. Thank you so much for listening to us, everybody. And see you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.